Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. I turn now to our text of scripture for today. As we begin a new year, we begin at the beginning with the book of Genesis. And despite the fact that we live in a world where disasters occur and sometimes we experience difficulty and challenge, life is good in the words of our text this morning from Genesis. I invite you to listen for God's word. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. And so, gracious God, we come again, the beginning of a new year, and we seek illumination from your word. Open to us now the truth of the gospel, that we might open our eyes and ears to receive what you have for us this day. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Christine is a precocious nine-year-old. She stopped all conversation with a question to me during the appetizers before dinner. Standing around the coffee table filled with cheese and crackers and shrimp and dips and veggies, the extended family was gathered and the room was filled with the hum of conversation around the Christmas season when Christine, this fourth grader, blurted out, why did God create cancer? It's kind of like the child in the story that blurts out, the king has no clothes. Christine drew our attention to the elephant in the room right next to where grandma was seated, who has cancer. It was like one of those old E.F. Hutton commercials where all of a sudden the chatter immediately hushed and everyone leans forward and listens for the minister's response. Now, I don't often get that kind of attention. But questions about the meaning of life and especially about how to understand tragedy and the problems of good and evil, well, people just hope that ministers have something to say about all of that. So I finished chewing and I placed my glass on the table and I began to gather my thoughts, trying to translate them into the language and cognitive framework of a fourth grader. But before I could say a word, Christine's aunt blurted out her own response. She says, I believe that when God gave our son Robbie diabetes, It was because he's strong enough to handle it, and God wants to use him to help other people. Now, Robbie was 
sitting right there next to her on the sofa. I thought, I wonder what Robbie thinks about that. How should I respond? How would you respond to such a question, such a statement? We all experience the world, this kind of mixture of good and bad, this blessing and problems. And like the psalmist in Psalm 8, we can proclaim, when I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've established, what are human beings that you're mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Why did God create this kind of a world? Christine's not the first one to ask that kind of question. The first chapter of Genesis reflects on the meaning and the significance of all life. When we affirm in our faith, as we often do in the Apostles' Creed, we begin with those words, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Well, does that belief, does that confession of faith help Christine at all with her question? A new year. It seems fitting that we should go back to the beginning in the book of Genesis because we always begin again best by laying the foundations right for our faith, the cornerstone being Jesus Christ. John Calvin was a second-generation reformer with a substantial impact on subsequent generations of thinkers. And for John Calvin, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of, of ourselves is inseparable. These two things are tied together. We never really understand ourselves until we know God. And we will never know God until we understand ourselves. They're inseparable. God the Creator... And God the Redeemer are also inseparable. God reveals himself, both outwardly in the creation and inwardly through faith. Both in creation, but more importantly, within the life of the believer, God reveals himself. There's no way to know God the Creator apart from faith. So we don't really come to know God through the general revelation in the creation and in nature. We learn to know God in the specific revelation of God the Redeemer. So if that's true, then in some ways it makes, actually it makes more sense to start the Bible with the book of Exodus, not Genesis. Because that's where the children of God come to understand God first. The God who redeems them, who saves them from slavery. It's after they know that God that they come to understand that God the Redeemer is also God the Creator of all that is. Both the Bible and the Apostles' Creed begin with God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. But it's God the Redeemer that brings the Creator into focus. And we come to know the one who is responsible for all of life in this Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who's personally interested in your life and my life and our redemption. 
our regeneration in life. So really, Christmas is important. The incarnation, where God accommodates himself to us in the language of John Calvin, so that we might know him. That's the first thing to know. God the Redeemer then becomes also God the Creator who merely speaks and life comes into existence, who brought order into chaos. So what chaos are you experiencing in your life as this year begins that you need a reordering from? Genesis tells us something we will learn nowhere else. That God, the Father of Jesus Christ, is the ultimate source and the ground of everything observable in the universe. Therefore, the world and our life in it are good, despite tragic experiences. And therefore, three, we need fear nothing in the world, but neither can we give ultimate loyalty to anything in the world. God alone deserves our ultimate loyalty. So when we affirm, as we do in the Apostles' Creed, that God is the maker of heaven and earth, we do mean to say that God just didn't get it all started and then retired or leaves the scene. That's known as deism. And it's a position, incidentally, that was held by several of our American ancestors at the time of the Revolution. It wasn't that God just created, but God is creating all the time. Recreating all the time. God's not an absentee landlord. Therefore, the world is an open place. It's not deterministic. We can act. We can change. The outcomes in the world are still up for grabs. God acts in this world of his making and in our lives. Unpredictable? Absolutely. We don't know what might happen this year. God calls the world into existence and then calls people to be his faithful representatives in the world. And the story of Genesis is the story of life given and the demands that are announced with those gifts. The various responses evoked by God's two calls. The call to live in the world as God has created us to live in it and two, the call to live in the community of the faithful. There's a second important affirmation in this text in Genesis. It's the creation story. It's the fact that God creates out of nothing. We create things, but we have to rely upon things that already exist. A a furniture maker can create some remarkable furniture, a fine table, but needs wood to be able to do it. Or an artist can manipulate paint on a canvas or stone or marble. Or a musician can manipulate notes and tones to create something of value. But the elements are already in existence. When the Bible says, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. 
It claims that God creates from nothing. Creation from nothing is something completely beyond our experience. The only explanation the Bible offers is that it happens by the sheer expression of God's will, by merely speaking, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke, and it came into reality. Now that's important for a couple of reasons. It prevents a kind of dualism in our thinking that we often see in modern culture. If you go to the movies these days, you're going to see lots of it. Movies like Star Wars or Harry Potter, even the World Wrestling Federation, you see this eternal struggle between the forces of good and evil. In dualism, there are equal forces in the universe. They're locked in this cosmic battle for supremacy. Every superhero show has this kind of basic theme. While it makes for good movies, it's really bad theology. The ancient world often viewed creation that way, but in the Jewish and Christian tradition, it was a critique of that perspective. There are not two fundamental eternal principles of reality, good and evil, light and darkness, the spiritual and the physical, the soul and the body that are at war with each other. It's not that at all. God is the creator of everything, all of it, which is to say there's no reality apart from this God. Even those forces which oppose God cannot ultimately defeat God's purpose. The physical, the material world, our bodies, nature, there's, these are not God's enemies or inferior realities. God created them, gave them to us. They are good. When we affirm that God created the heavens and the earth, we affirm that the material and the physical world matters. Our two Princeton Seminary interns this past summer were very concerned about ecology. It's a new and rising interest because God has created the world we ought to care for, all the environment. We affirm that this is the world of God's creative activity and even those forces which oppose God cannot thwart the will of God. Okay, so let me return to our dinner conversation and to the aunt's statement that diabetes was given by God to her son because he's strong enough and God wants to use him to help other people. I finally found my voice and I responded, I can agree with half of that statement. God doesn't go around inflicting people with disease to see if they can handle it. He doesn't run cars off the road or send stray bullets into children because God wants them in heaven. Not everything that happens in the world is what God intends. God has created everything. But there's much in the world that opposes God's will and breaks God's heart. So you see, God didn't give Robbie diabetes. 
But the Lord does want and can use even that which is not good. Illness and tragedy in life to accomplish his will in us and in others and in the world. Christians maintain that the world is good. Life is good. Not because everything we experience is good. It's true that we may rebel against God. We may misuse the creation. We may make ourselves and other people miserable by how we live and how we treat one another. There are disasters of all kinds, and we've just heard them from Fire Chief Mario Rueda. But that never means the creation is bad. There is evil, but it's always an intruder into God's good creation. It's a parasite. It's a cancer. It's good gone astray. So we can be optimistic and hopeful about this new year, not because we're going to look through rose-colored glasses or minimize what's wrong in the world, or believe that humanity is inevitably going to make progress or that there's an inevitable progression of civilization. We can be optimistic because God's head, yes to the world. And God still says yes to the creation. The one who created it all, entered into the world in Jesus Christ, has willed this world into existence, and the forces against life cannot ultimately spoil the loving and the life-giving intentions of the Creator. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer of all that is, as it says in the New Testament, if God is for us, who can be against us? The God who did not withhold his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not with him also give us everything else? Christine asked an important question that drives right to the foundation of how we as people of faith understand the world of our experience it's the kind of question that led our ancestors of faith to proclaim, God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all of life created by God, and it is good. In the beginning... When God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. Amen.